0: Inside the feral zone. Greetings, listeners. Welcome back inside the feral zone. I am Renee Coleman, operating under cover of darkness from the heart of the Clempire, Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge. I'm sitting here with my co-host for the night, fantastic Doug Garrison, wonderful drummer, originally from Memphis, Tennessee. You may know him from such bands as The Iguanas, Alex Chilton, Charlie Rich, Rufus Thomas, on and on, Panorama Jazz Band. My rhythm section partner, starting way back in 1984. Here he is with us tonight the great Doug Garrison. Welcome, Doug. Greetings. Glad to be here. Thank you. Oh, man. So so glad to have you. You've, you've actually uh, been on, maybe this is your third or, or fourth appearance on uh, either the Troubled Men podcast or the, the Feral Zone. Uh, in, in some, you talk more than others. This one, you'll be talking more. You have a dedicated mic of I your own. have an own, actual mic. An actual microphone. Yeah, sometimes we do these things. It's uh, rather <laughs> ad hoc. Uh, we have to, have to fight for mic time, but uh, here we are. Um was something I'm leaving out? Oh, yes, yes, I was going to talk about the uh, the feral zone. Uh, you know I've, I've said this before, but I, I'd like to, to remind people you know the feral zone is kind of a sister podcast to the Trouble Men podcast, and uh, it will appear in this space from time to time. Uh, some things about it may be similar, some things will be different, but uh, you know tonight it's going to be what it's going to be. So we have a terrific guest, uh, someone we've we've uh, Doug and I've have worked with in, in several bands together and separately, and uh, we'll be getting to him shortly. But Doug and I just got back from a big iguanas tour, the big uh, uh, summer tour part two. That's correct. So we uh, we we took off from New Orleans. Uh, this is doing like uh, 12 12 gigs in 14 days, something like that. Uh, first gig was very unusual. It was a, a secret gig. Never done one of those before where they, they say, uh, we're going to have four bands. We're not going to tell you who they are. <laughs> They're going to be good bands. They didn't even tell us. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even know. Uh, but so it's at Fitzgerald's, a place we've played a million times in Chicago. The, uh, the first, the place that originally brought us up, uh, the Bill Fitzgerald had seen the iguanas play at uh, the Maple Leaf at uh Jazz Fest 1991 and uh right there on the spot he booked us to to go up and play the 4th of July uh, American Music Festival there at mm-hmm. uh Fitzgerald's and uh that was a uh, you know fantastic festival they have all kind of people dave alvin marsha ball uh, on and on and on uh, all kind of great roots acts and that was our our big intro to uh, to chicago so uh, uh bill no longer owns the the building the the, the business he turned it over to to some uh, some some able hands uh, a couple of years ago they're they're running it exactly in his image pretty much so that's nice but uh yeah so we, we weren't sure what to make of this this secret gig but in fact it was a huge success right it was yeah it's an interesting concept to not tell who who's going to be playing right would you would you uh buy a ticket to <laughs> to see four bands mystery bands well,
1: no, but I'm not the average <laughs> average club goer. I'll
0: yeah. remind our guest uh, if he's going to laugh, laugh right into the mic. Yeah, yeah, we want to catch all, all of that.
1: And <laughs> try to make it sound real. Yeah,
0: well. <laughs> That's
1: why I'm waiting now. You know. oh, okay, there you
0: go. Um, so yes, you you were, you were saying that you wouldn't you
1: wouldn't uh... not necessarily, but um, you know I think it's a, an opportunity for people to get dressed up and do something special, and I think it was born out of the pandemic, wasn't it?
0: It was had something something to do with uh, shutting down everything, or huh? I, I don't know, know. I, I, I don't know what the uh, the the origin of that idea was. Well, someone was pointing out, well, it's good for you as a band because you'll play in front of people that maybe haven't ever heard you before, you know, and if you can really do it, then you went over some new fans and mm-hmm. I, I guess it, it sort of attracts people who are up for anything, you know?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we like that. <laughs>
1: I think people were glad that we were there nobody said oh my god I never would have bought a ticket to hear these
0: guys (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah they yes they they did seem and look they actually they they were real cagey about the 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 manager said look could y'all just stay in the back until I announce you I'm like really come on people must have figured it out he's like no I don't think they have and people that knew us were surprised we walked out on stage like wow I can't believe it's y'all
1: yeah truly it was like a a collective gasp
0: of relief right yes that yes. groans yes. yeah uh. So, uh, so that was the, the first uh, uh, date of the tour we followed up with a, a date in Madison it was uh, somewhat uh, unremarkable but uh, another another good one uh, people that were there enjoyed it and uh, you know uh, nobody got hurt uh, <laughs> moving right along we, we played in uh, Minneapolis and uh, a place we played before that's a unusual location it's the uh, former uh uh, fire station that's right next to the police station that was burned during the uh, protests last year. I should say the uh, George Floyd uh, post George pro- Floyd. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ground so, zero. It was gra- absolutely ground zero, man. Yeah, you can you can s- see the evidence of it right there, and uh, we had. Uh, some, some uh, other illustrious New Orleanians there. Uh, uh, Camille Baudouin uh, mm. from the Radiators uh, opened up, did an opening set with a, a partner of his, guitar player, a little guitar duo there. And, uh, and in the audience, uh, dancing right up front, first song we had uh, Michael Tisserand, a uh, great writer, former New Orleanian. He's abandoned us for the moment, but uh, who knows what the, the future may hold. And his entire family... His entire family was there, including his mother on oxygen. Yeah, I, <laughs> that was a, it was a solid move, man. I thought <laughs> you were really enjoyed it, huh?
2: I thought you were saying that after he said he's abandoned us. <laughs> he said, "And his entire family."
0: He abandoned <laughs> us, <laughs> and his no, 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 no. <laughs> my, Michael has not yet abandoned his family. With, um, not and. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so but they were all there and he and his lovely wife Tammy were, were dancing, it looked so cute, lovely couple, looked like a couple of teenagers, uh, you know, drowning in each other's eyes, dancing to the romantic strains of the iguanas. Was that happening? Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> it was quite heartwarming. <laughs> I, was, I was quite charmed right from the jump. So, uh, you know, then we started, we, we moved into Omaha, we had the the Cabral dynasty there, Joe Cabral's family was all there in evidence, uh, another, it was like a Tuesday night gig or something, packed. Uh, yeah, that was a Tuesday, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. yeah
1: that's, a couple hundred people there, yeah. on Tuesday night, partying in, down. In
0: Omaha, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, the whole tour was very successful, man. It was, uh, and you know, the last time we went out on, on, uh, I guess in in April, there, uh, we got through half the tour, and then uh, three of us got COVID. <laughs> we had to cancel the second half of the tour. Well, so made it through, no problems. None of the dates had any uh, any any monkey wrenches in them. Everybody stayed relatively healthy. So, uh, relatively, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you and I had sniffles, uh, That's true. uh throughout the thing. I'm, I still have them. I, I just to tell you, when I got home, I did take a uh, a, a, a COVID test just to make sure I got a clean bill, just like you did. So, so yeah, you still have regular colds out there, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it won't kill you, but uh, it will use up a lot of Kleenex, true. Um, so uh, where you know, kind of, kind of, we're into Colorado. That was uh, a great little stretch there. It was nice to be. It was still hot as hell, but uh, it was drier. And and revisited some uh, some former haunts. Played the uh, outdoor gig with at uh, Fort Collins had uh, another uh, New Orleans luminary uh, John Magney from the Subdudes uh showed up and and uh, was there hanging out in fact uh, we called him up to uh, to sing the the song that he co-wrote with the Iguanas late at night so mm-hmm. yeah that was good yeah man that's and, and another another you know full full house in the square there it's funny i, I i'll take a picture before we start and then the whole thing is full of people, thousands of people, you know. And I don't take any pictures while they're there. <laughs> and then I think about it when they're all gone. I take another picture <laughs> when all the people are gone.
1: I think the half the town must have been there that night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's not that big of a town. But, uh, man, it was it was definitely a, a full square there. So, uh, yeah, that, that was, uh, again, a successful tour. The, we, we wound it up with uh, two nights in, in, or three nights in Texas, the last two uh, back at the Continental Club in Austin, and it was, uh, another, like, great full house on a, on a Friday night, and more luminaries, The uh, Hunt Sales of, of Lust for Life and the Todd Rundgren Band and, uh, you know, Soupy Sales Son, on and on and on and on. Uh, You know, fantastic drummer, and he was there, big Iguanas fan, there early, took a nice photograph with him. He stayed till the end. And uh, Mike Buck, the drummer from uh, Fabulous Thunderbirds. Yes, two people I admire very much. Oh, yeah. Good to see him. You were saying that Mike Buck was more effusive than you'd ever heard him be.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was in his element, you know. Yeah. I usually see him in New Orleans, and uh, yeah, he's a great guy. So it's Hunt. Oh, yeah. I met Hunt when we were, um, after Katrina, when we lived in uh, Austin. The whole band lived in Austin for a moment. Right. You lived there, too, didn't you, Anthony?
2: No, but I was hanging with you guys over there a bit. Yeah, I remember but you being at my house. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah. I did a some version of that run that y'all are describing. With yes. us, right? Times, yeah. Well, maybe That's we right. should
0: maybe we should uh, introduce the guest here, since uh, you know we've kinda, kind of kind uh, of backing into him here. We can we can finish this little discussion with uh, <laughs> with uh, with uh, with him in in the mix. So this guy's a a terrific uh, multi instrumentalist, producer, composer. Uh, I, I he played in the iguanas as a percussionist i've seen him with uh, rotary downs as a keyboard player uh, he was a percussionist in uh, glenn styler presents the clergy a band we all played in together has his own band or had his own band the other planets uh also uh you may know him as the night janitor but without further ado the great mr anthony Cuccia. welcome anthony
2: hey renee hey doug Hey, man, it's really good to see you guys, man. Yeah, man. Good to have yeah, you here. I know it's, it's really nice. It's been a while.
0: And I'm actually leaving out part of your thing, which is why, why you're here, is that besides being a musician, you have uh, recently uh, gone to the other side. You've gone straight. Yeah. And, uh, and in, <laughs> <I> fact, <know. laughs> in fact, you've, uh, you're now working uh, as a, a counselor, I guess, as yeah. a, a substance abuse counselor at a treatment center. You're working at Bridge House.
2: Yep. Bridge house. I just got off of a full day. Okay. Full eight hours. Okay. I'm sure nothing went, nothing exciting happened. Oh my God. (laughs) 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 Every day I, I, it's like, it's like an acid trip where you're like thinking about the early part of the day. Like, Oh man, remember when that happened? It seems like forever (laughs) ago, you know, (laughs) it's like, Oh man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, we want to get it back into all of that, mm. Anthony. But uh, but yeah, you were saying that the, as you were mentioning, uh, you didn't live in Austin, but you were playing a lot with the Iguanas at that time as a percussionist, and and you probably played a lot of those same venues that we were that we were making that run.
2: Yeah, I never played Fort Collins with y'all. I think Durango.
0: Okay. I don't know. It might That's have been close. like a private
2: party though. Or something. I, don't, I remember sitting on a ski lift with you in like 2005, Renee.
0: That sounds about <laughs> right. Yeah, that sounds like good times, Anthony.
2: Uh, yeah, but the Continental Club run, we did that a bunch of times. Oh Houston yeah, Houston and Austin. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: So so yeah, we played the the Continental in Austin on uh, on Friday, and that was a great gig. Like I said, all these people showed up. We played the apparently the uh, the our booking agent. Or Steve Wertheimer from the from the Continental Club had told our booking agent, "Well, do you want me to get a an opening act, or uh, just have the iguanas play all night long? And you know, I'll give them the money from the opening act." And the, the, of course, the booking agent goes, "Oh, I'd just have them play all night long."
1: <laughs> yeah, they're near the end of their tour. They'll be fine.
0: <laughs> so, so we uh, Steve's like, "All right, you know." I mean, Steve's a good friend of ours. Obviously, he was our sponsor in Austin. You know, he's he's, he's club owner, you know, we've we've had the longest association with pretty much. Uh he's like, Well, okay. So, you know, it's like, okay, you guys play from ten to two. Oh <laughs> so, man. <laughs> so we play literally played from I mean, n- not like at a dance or, you know, a party. This is a nightclub with a you know, big stage. People are just looking at you. It's showtime. So we played from ten fifteen to twelve thirty. And we took <laughs> took a 15 minute break and we played uh uh whatever till 1:30 so wow and so yeah it was a a marathon iguana set people stayed the whole time that's crazy wow. and it was like it's uh, you think you'd wear them out but uh they couldn't get enough so that was uh, that was a great night uh late night um the next day we had the the final gig of the tour uh went to uh the Continental Club in Houston, now we were, we we're booked to play the small room, the kind of sister room, which is called the Big Top. Okay. And uh, uh, another artist was supposed to play the, the Big Room. Well, as we're driving over there, we get texts from the club saying, hey, look, you guys have sold so many advanced tickets. We want to move you all from the Big Top to the, to the main room, and the other act is fine to, to switch. So you go on an hour later, but... Everything else is the same. Nice. Yeah, okay. Cool.
1: So and yeah. If, if you ever played the Continental in Houston with us, I did. The yeah. big top is the room where we went after the gig to drink for free.
2: <laughs> oh, I remember that room. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Right. Nice room. Yeah, yeah. And we have played that room before, and it's it's plenty fun to play. It's more of like a circle bar kind of. It's bigger than the circle bar, but you know, kind of low stage kind of deal. But uh, you know, so again, this was uh, showtime, and man, the the Houstonians. You know, I was surprised that we had that many advanced ticket sales because, again, would you buy advanced tickets to a club gig? I never do. I mean, it's only if it's like a traveling act that's playing a way bigger, I mean, that's a way bigger act than The Room that I would think. Well, we're a traveling act. Well. And
1: we're way big.
0: Okay, all right, all right. I I guess it's a matter of perspective, Doug, yeah. But But again,
2: uh, no, I wouldn't. Right, right. More likely than a secret show, though.
0: Well, okay, all right. right so so uh anyway we we had not only do we have all those advanced sales, they totally filled up the room the, the room was it, it, it looked like the old days man yeah it was yeah. uh it was fantastic now we had the someone uh, was talking to our our uh, host. Uh, Dave Clements, you know, here at uh, Snake and Jake's, and he was saying, were there any, any highlights uh, for the tour? And I was talking about that, and he said, any low lights? And I said, well, yeah, the lowlights were... There's a lot of those. <laughs> were, were, well, well, me personally, was when, when we got back to the hotel after the gig, it must have been like, you know, 1.30 at night or something, i go back up to my room and could not get into my room. You know, the key wasn't working at all. It wasn't showing any lights, I get back down to the front desk. The guy's like, oh, the batteries must be dead. I, I have, to, uh, I'll have to go up to the third floor for a minute. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, he starts getting real bitchy with me. He's like, I have to go up to the third floor. Do you want to come with me? I'm like, well, no. I don't think we need to get so smart mouth so fast. I was like, no, I'll wait for you. So he comes back down. He's got a laptop. Now we w- walk up to my room, they have the escalators, this is a hotel, there's a lot of signs that this hotel was not operating at, at peak efficiency early on, the fact that they have the escalators that are stopped, that you have to walk up them, you know, it's kind of like one of those post-apocalyptic movies where nothing is working and people are just kind of uh, scrambling around the, 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 the remnants of, of the once-functioning society. So we, we take the laptop, we go up to the, to my room, and the guy's on his knees, uh, plugging the laptop into the lock of my door, like breaking into this thing like it's uh fucking Oceans Eleven or something, you know. <laughs> this is at one thirty in the morning. Anyway, he did he get uh, it going? Uh, he finally did get it going, but but only after he threatened to put me out of the hotel Altogether, when when you know, in, in my uh, uh, I was just making comments to myself, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, I guess he wasn't so amused. I was trying to stay, you know, stay chipper about it, you know, just keep a good sense of humor. Not every, cheeky, oh cheeky, uh, cheeky, yeah, chipper? yeah, chipper. I was trying to stay okay. chipper. I guess I was getting a little cheeky, but uh, he did actually threaten to to put me out of the hotel altogether. So really? I, had to, I had to back down in a hurry do some backpedaling which i'm uh you know for me it 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 takes just as much uh effort to say i'm sorry as it does fuck you so if if saying i'm sorry will get me farther yeah they're
2: just words (laughs)
0: yeah that's right it's just sounds i make with my (laughs) with my lips and tongue you know
2: so how'd you walk it back
0: Uh, Oh, you know, I I, I don't need to get into all that right now, but uh, you can imagine. uh, Listen, I'm
2: just going through a lot right now. Uh, It's It's been a long day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, it it had been a long day. Um, Anyway, so we we got through that, made it back. Now, uh, the band was in such a groove, uh, having been out there uh, a a day after we'd, we'd been home, Doug... Got on, on our, our uh, group text and said, uh, hey, i had been be two just riding around in the van. <laughs> <laughs> if
2: you guys are not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that the longest tour you guys have done in a minute or something? Or? Yes. Nice. In a few years, yeah. Oh, okay. I Another thing that.
1: cool about that uh, Houston gig is the band that got moved to the other room was uh, Linda Gale Lewis, who is Jerry Lee Lewis's sister. Oh, Wow. And I had played on a record with her back in the early 2000s. So I went over after the gig, and she, there she was sitting at the uh, merch table. Okay. And I had her propped up there, you know, like Job of the Hut or something. <laughs> so I waited to kind of edge my way in, and I said, Hey, Linda Gale, I, I'm a uh, drummer playing next door. I played on your record, uh, International Affair. And she looked at me and she said, You did? It's so nice to see you again. <laughs> you did? So that was my highlight. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, that's nice. I like the imitation, too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Pretty much nailed it.
0: Yeah. Got
1: to get that North Mississippi twang. Yeah.
0: Right, right, right. So uh, okay, so that that uh, that does it for the iguanas tour recap. There, that's cool. So back to uh, the great Anthony Cuchilla. So so Anthony, uh, let's get into let's (laughs) dig into to what makes Anthony tick here. Okay. So uh, you're not from New Orleans, are you? Lafayette. Lafayette. Now, is your family originally from Louisiana or from New Orleans or the Cuchilla name? That's not a it's not a foreign name to this area.
2: No, no. Uh, My dad's my dad's family's from. New Orleans. They grew up on like my dad grew up on St. Bernard Avenue.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Now, there's this guy, Ron Coochia.
2: No, no relation. No relation. I get asked that that? all the time. Really?
0: Okay. (laughs) It's
2: because I have a lot of confusion with how to pronounce my own last name. Okay. Like my family says Coochie. I grew up in Lafayette where they would say Coochie, right? Okay. Very, very problematic pronunciation of my name, right? And then when I came here, I played with so many Latin bands. Just people like lining up, trying to convince me to pronounce every vowel. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, and saying it from stage so many times that I just kind of submitted to it.
0: So, so you you didn't the way I say your name, Anthony Cuccia. That you you've never said it anything close to that.
2: Oh no, I say it all the time. <laughs> oh okay. I say it all the time.
0: But I mean, that's that that's not how you grew up saying it. I grew up saying it so many different okay, ways because my right.
2: family was here and I was there and I was surrounded by people who had no clue how to get it right. You okay. know what I mean? And cucci though, huh? Cucci, yeah. But like then the... every time I meet someone from Italy, they tell me I'm wrong. Totally wrong. And they, they all have a different way to say it. The, the cuccia, the Italian, uh-huh. No, it's cuccia, you know, and uh-huh. then <laughs> just like, you know, I'll just go with all the vowels.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Why, why not? Yeah, just just not, not that mouth many. Sounds, it's right? Only, it's only 3 of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why yeah. Not? Let's, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go crazy. So, so you grew up in Lafayette. Yeah. Uh, where's where was your early music uh interest, influence, training?
2: So, I tried a few different instruments and couldn't really make any headway on any of them. Like I I got an electric guitar. My my parents bought me a guitar at one point, bought me like a keyboard at one point. I was playing around. I just, like, wasn't thinking very melodically at the time. Guitar was just, like, not happening, you know? I just didn't realize how hard it was. Yeah. (laughs) just seen people do it on TV, and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to get one of those. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Backed away from that. And then um, just kind of oddly saw a guy, looking back, had, like, no skill whatsoever, like, play a super simple rhythm on a cheap pair of bongos at a music store when I was like maybe 14 or 15 Hmm. and I was just like yeah I I, kind of like that and then I got like a video and started trying to learn some stuff and I was able to for whatever reason make some headway on that instrument you know Hmm. and uh started taking lessons and then um I don't know how my mom like got Hector Gallardo's phone number (laughs)
0: <laughs> when you were still living in Lafayette?
2: Yeah, so I would drive here and take lessons with him really? in his driveway. Yeah. In New how, Orleans did, East. how does
0: that happen, man? He's such a lunatic. I mean he's <laughs> yeah. such a such a great percussionist and, yeah. and uh but such an oddball Oh, for, man. To, uh, how old were you? A teenager I time? was like
2: God, I wanna say sixteen or seventeen okay. when I met Hector and I don't think he knew I lived in Lafayette or he just okay. like blocked it out. So he'd be like, Come and sit in tonight and I would drive. I would drive, you know, from Lafayette and come sit in. Yeah. Um yeah, that was cool.
0: Now, did you were you in contact with a lot of these other uh Lafayette musicians like Doug Belote and and uh or or you know, some of these other CC Adcock. I mean, we know a million guys there, but any of those guys or uh no? I
2: met Doug Belote through seeing him do drum clinics. You know, in Lafayette because okay. he was already like, yeah, we all looked up to Doug. Um and he was friends with a lot like I started hanging out at the music school when I was in high school like at, at USL at mm-hmm. the university and uh, had this band called the Asparagus All-Stars with some of the guys that are let's see it's like Chad Viator Chris French who now play with Roddy Romero they've oh, been playing sure. with Roddy for years That's a great band and uh, Tim McFadder was in that band oh yeah who, who was Terrific in the, the other planets yeah well, he was in the Iguanas for a while yeah, yeah, too wasn't he him we used as a second ran tenor. Him. we ran into him at uh, French Quarter Fest oh nice He's just like one of the best musicians I've ever met.
0: Yeah, he's yeah. a real old soul too, man.
2: Yeah, Tim. Old man Tim. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a great musician. And and then we, um, and then Cece. I, I, you know, Cece was, some. he was like a guy that I got to know a little bit more when I started playing with you guys out okay. there at the Blue Moon and stuff. Right. But it was kind of like a different... Scene I don't know, even though it's small,
0: yeah, yeah, it's a kind of a gener- different generation as well,
2: yeah, 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 different vibe
0: and and c also had been hanging around with all those much older musicians as well, yeah,
2: know? he got in my car once, I remember <laughs> downtown, he just demanded a ride, it was just like got in,
0: <laughs> okay, it was it was interesting, nice, nice. <laughs> So you graduate from high school in Lafayette, you you go to college? uh?
2: Yeah, I went to college for like um, two or three semesters in Lafayette, maybe two, and then moved to New Orleans when I was like 19 Okay. to kind of study with Hector, and I moved here with that whole band, and everybody moved back except for me and Tim. Oh, all right. Then we started The Other Planets with uh, Jimbo.
0: Is, is, now, is that kind of when we started to uh, run into you? Uh,
2: I so. think around that time. Yeah. Didn't we play together with Rob Wagner, the new thing? Possibly, uh, like the Dragon's Dead. Yeah. Yeah, and then the Naked Orchestra.
1: I think naked that's where orchestra. I met yes. you and Joe.
2: Oh, really? On yeah. that, uh, that record date? I don't know if it was the record date or if it was that weekly gig at Cafe Brazil. Mm-hmm. Remember?
1: Yeah, there's yeah, like a, after Katrina.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it might have been before that cuz I was playing with you guys before that. Oh, that's true.
0: Yeah, yeah, cuz you were playing with with the Iguanas before Katrina and uh, you know, another band that the three of us played together I mentioned is uh Glenn Styler presents the Clergy. Yeah. And you know, we'd had the Glenn Styler rock band and and that we kind of retired that on New Year's Eve of 1999. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was a great gig at Circle Bar, but uh, you know we kind of kind of did a uh, uh, you know Spiders from Mars thing. You know, not only is this the the last gig we'll ever play of this millennium, it's the last gig this band will ever play. Wow! And it was. And after that, we we did uh, we st- we were still doing the Bossa Nova uh, trio or quartet, uh, Doug and I and and uh, Dan Sumner and uh, and and Brent uh, as Glenn Styler. And and then at the same time Brent and I started writing all this uh this material, this new material wrote like thirty-five songs or, or so and so we we're gonna have a, a new project called The Clergy. And yeah. uh and so we we had the the bossa nova band and we we uh added on uh dave ellington it took me hmm. a minute to think of that guy's name yeah. today i was like what was his last name uh, <laughs> yeah. pretty memorable last name yeah i, well, I know but yeah, uh, a piano player. uh yeah right right dave ellington and you anthony yeah. and so that was the and that was a fucking great band and yeah. and and we really spent a lot of time <laughs> working up that material and uh we played a, a few dates. The, the most memorable one being uh, Spellcaster. the Spellcaster uh, Lodge uh, w- on a on a bill with Quentron, and you know it's it's one of those nights that I would I would kill to have a recording of that because you know like uh, like uh, Reverend Fred Lane, you know those those records are famous and and have, have gone around the world and really that band only played once or twice they just happened to be running tape at the time that they did the live gig and that's the difference between like the fred lane record having fred lane having a record and the clergy not having a record cuz we certainly would have put that out cuz that that band sounded you know it was exactly what you'd want it to be we just didn't think that was it was our last chance to do it i thought well this is just the first of many
2: yeah yeah that was, like, one of the best bands ever, in my opinion. It was I look back, and that night was, like, really special. Yeah. And, it It was a, crazy night.
0: And I, I think just a couple of months later was Katrina.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, the Glenn Styler... Uh, in any band Glenn Styler has not performed since Katrina that was wow. that was the that was the uh, maybe one of the last performances if not the last performance at, I know at, we
2: did a few you know we did a yeah, few gigs with that band
0: yeah yeah like we played Circle Bar a yeah. few times uh, yeah the, the, and the, the band was definitely uh, you know coming into its own and and uh, you know just just circumstances conspired to, uh, to to make that kind of the the pinnacle and, and, and not have it have it be uh documented in any way except our, our fading memories
2: <laughs> well the demos were so good that you guys made though
0: well it's funny you should say that 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 uh you know we recently put out all these these geraniums recordings that we had had stocked up over the past 15 years or so it wound up being two records worth and just he did a physical release but uh, it inspired me to to go back to Brent and say hey look why don't you go through the demos and hand pick like a record's worth of those and let's just put those out as like you know as sketches from Camelot or something I don't know what we're gonna because he lived we wrote them all when he lived at the Camelot apartments (laughs) okay and did all his demos there so I don't know we'll figure out what to call it but but, uh, and as I was talking about that to Brent, and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. that. That's a good idea. And he said, man, he said, I sometimes fantasize about like getting a band together and like really recording this stuff for real. I said, well, Brent, you, you know, you never know. You do something like this, put this back out there, it might generate some interest. You know, who, who knows what could happen. So, so, there actually has been some, some slight internal movement on that, that front recently.
2: Nice. <coughs> Trucker takes a wife.
0: Yes, yes, which yeah. I actually use as the uh the the theme music to this to the Feral Zone. Oh, nice. And that's where I actually where I got the uh the title for yeah. the Feral Zone because it's a, a lyric in in that that song. Um so yeah, that was that was a terrific thing that we that we all did together and and uh but but that was again uh before Katrina.
2: Yeah. Those rehearsals were awesome. For oh, the clergy. A, for the clergy, yeah, we're yeah, at the Fountain Blue, the Fountain Blue, yeah. Okay. Brent was always trying to get me to play two tambourines at the same time and bang them together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jesse Hill style.
2: (laughs) But it it worked. He was always, yeah. He's like, you need to be wearing large yellow rubber gloves full length.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was was Brent style. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. When he went out as a drummer with with, uh, the Panther Burns and then later Green on Red. He always had the Playtex living gloves. Yeah, and, really? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and people, like, he showed up with them the first day, like, when, when he was playing with, uh, I mean, I, I saw every session I ever, or gig he played, he would show up with those, so I was used to it. And people would go, what the fuck is that for? And he'd say, well, you know, I don't play drums, really. So I don't really have the strength to, like, hold on to the sticks. So after I start getting sweaty, the sticks will sl- fall- slip out of my hands. So if I wear these gloves, I'm able to hold on to the sticks.
2: <laughs> so funny Makes that sense. they were functional. Yes, <laughs> not but just a fashion Coming statement. all the way up to his elbow. But
0: it looked so bizarre. And he'd kind of roll them down, you know, a little bit, you know. But then they'd, of course, unroll and... Oh, uh, but yeah, people would come in and see see the drummer with those fucking yellow gloves on. They're like, "What the? What is about to happen here, man? <laughs> is somebody about to have a cavity search? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cavity search. <laughs> we're going deep, man. It's the
2: big top room. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah the, yeah. the black nitrile might have been a better choice. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it wouldn't have been as uh, eye catching. So back to you, Anthony. Uh, we're kind of coming up on a, a break here, but. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Sh- maybe should we do that now? Why not? Let's go ahead and, uh, and take a little break and uh, we'll be right back. Back, back with Mr. Doug Garrison. I am Renee Coleman. Back with our guest, Mr. Anthony Cuccia. Well, here in the Feral Zone, just like on the Troubled Men podcast, uh, you know, we're we're very bereft of sponsors, so we are a listener-supported operation. Uh, we often talk about loose change. It doesn't have to be loose. It could be solid bills. Uh, the, the, uh, it's all really digital currency anyway when you think about it uh, you know, through Venmo or PayPal. We have those links right in, in the show notes of every show and the Facebook page. Speaking of Facebook, uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, share with your friends, uh, uh subscribe to the podcast uh Troubled podcast is is the way to subscribe you will get uh two for one Troublemen podcast and Feral own podcast when uh when when those are available well I'll come right into your feed uh, uh rate us and review give us five stars you can say uh fuck the troubled men five stars we like that uh Anyway, and we do have the Trouble Men Podcast T-shirts uh, right there on that the the link again in the show notes or the Facebook page where uh, those are flying off the shelves, and we're right around the corner from uh, gift giving season, so uh, you know you can can get ahead with your, uh, your your holiday shopping there. Okay, well enough of that. Back to our guest, Mr. Anthony Kachia, if that is how you say your name. <laughs> uh, if it is. <laughs> If that's one of the ways you say your name. It shall be. So uh, so we, we talked about several of the bands you, you played in. One of the, the favorite bands that I've seen you play with is, is a, a group, Rotary Downs. Yeah. And uh, how did you get involved with Rotary Downs?
2: Well, I got involved with them because I know Zach Smith from from lafayette from maybe like 1999 ish oh
0: okay right he is he's from lafayette and i was surprised that he was he was on the podcast not too long ago you see all these all the dots are getting connected here
2: yeah i know i texted him it was it was nice to hear his voice
0: okay he said don't do it
2: what (laughs) when you texted him he said don't do it (laughs) no no No,
0: Zach is one of those guys he's like I'm a huge fan huge fan of the podcast I love you and Manny yeah and then uh, then he came on and then a week later he's like yeah Manny says a lot of things that I don't know (laughs) I'm like man you've heard all of these (laughs) you've
1: heard it you're
0: a fan (laughs) (laughs) you know what it's when 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 it's somebody else it's hilarious when it's you it's a it's a tragedy classic classic So funny. Anyway, yeah. so uh, so yes, Zach was the drummer in in, uh, in Rotary Down, still is, I guess. And so y- so you got involved in uh, in Rotary Down through Zach.
2: Yeah, by playing percussion on some of their uh, records. I can't remember which ones, but I started off like playing percussion on some stuff and doing some shows, and eventually started covering some keyboard parts, and then kind of moved to like a dual role, like mm-hmm. playing percussion and and keys kind of sometimes on the, at the same time. Right. (laughs) Nice. Um, yeah. So that was, that was cool. And that
0: was something you were kind of interested in doing anyway. Right. And maybe hadn't had a lot of, uh, opportunities to, uh, to, to do in real performance.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot playing keys with them because there were a lot of like really cool keyboard parts already written by Mm. like three separate guys that had kind of come and gone through the band. Right. Um, and it, and it kind of coincided with when I, when I, got my bachelor's in music from UNO so I was kind of gaining some some keyboard skills and my, developing my ear at the time so it started to get easier to learn the parts because there was a lot of material mm-hmm. it, was, it was like overwhelming at first it was kind of daunting yeah. it took a lot of time just like wrote practice you know but then my ear started to de- develop a little bit mm-hmm. it got easier um, yeah great band great tunes.
0: Yeah, great song. So yeah. so dreamy, and uh, you know, it's like very catchy, but also, you know, angular and ethereal, and <laughs> yeah, just so many cool things about that
2: band yeah yeah i guess james is moving to uh spain
0: right yeah yeah i went to their farewell gig there at dba it was a triumph it was full <laughs> of musicians uh they they played you know i don't know three encores and yeah. the crowd was cheering them on right to the end the whole nice. band was beaming up on stage i was so <laughs> happy for him i mean you know that was you know it's a great send-off sure was yes. alex smith on the gig uh, I don't British know. British guy. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't know Sometimes everybody's he plays names.
2: Like Third guitar.
0: There was there was a third guitar player. Yeah. 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 That guy was quite talented. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's awesome. Okay. It must have been him. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent group. Um... Well, so that kind of leads to. Uh, uh, we, we mentioned uh, the Night Janitor. Yeah. Uh, your group, I mean, you had the other planets, but the Night Janitor yeah. is m- more of like your kind of solo thing, I guess, you know? And so at the same time, I want to talk about y- you, you've gotten into uh, uh, synthesizers and building your own synthesizers, yeah. correct? Talk about that some.
2: Uh, yeah, I kind of like got heavier into like Eurorack. It's like a format for for like putting together modular synthesizers sort of kind of a year into the pandemic hmm. and it's kind it was of a cool. Heath
0: kit operation where you're getting kits and uh, no uh, i can't solder them. or anything oh, like okay. that
2: you just like there's like so many thousands of different modules and it's it's like you know you kind of have to put together the type of system you want to put together you know oscillators VCAs effects you know all that different type of stuff So that was cool i had always just like had keyboards and messed with presets and turned knobs and just kind of made sounds you know but that kind of allowed me to start building stuff up from scratch and kind of really figuring out how the signal flow works Mm -hmm. all the different components yeah that was really cool
0: now were you going back to like eno and and uh you know that that kind of ambient music is for inspiration
2: i do love that stuff yeah um, one of my favorite ambient music musicians is this, this guy named Scott Campbell. Mm-hmm. He's like a local guy. Okay. Do you know Scott? I do not. He used to be the drummer in that band Bones back in the day. Hmm. Mike Miller. Yeah. But he's like he's like an instrument builder and man, his music is super inspirational to me. Nice. But uh, yeah, I love that Eno stuff. Right. So as,
0: as the night janitor, uh yeah. you started recording material at your house writing um. yeah
2: that started as kind of like a recording project um when when did that start that's the type that i remember i picked that name when i was like 28 <laughs> so you <coughs> kind of got stuck with that one um it was like based on a mr show sketch Do you know the one i'm talking about uh no David Cross is. Like oh, I know a, Mr. Show. He's like a janitor at a school. Yeah,
0: I don't know the specific sketch. Well, like that was a great
2: show, though. He's like a super fun janitor who wears the clown nose, and he's doing all these like uh, <laughs> things to like make the kids happier. But the joke is that he's on the night shift, and there's no kids there, but he's still dropping the banana peels and doing all this corny stuff. And the tagline was, "Though he plays to an empty gallery, it doesn't hamper his antics one bit." <laughs> and
0: that that resonated with you. <laughs>
2: it did because nobody was coming to my shows. I mean, it was like, you know, you get a few stragglers here and there, but yeah. When you were talking about secret shows earlier, I was like, yeah. You played some played, secret shows. Like, reverse secret shows. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: well, that that actually would be a, a joke that I would sometimes tell, you know, in in a very snide way if if I played a gig and it hadn't been listed anywhere in any newspapers and yep. no one had done any, it, it wasn't on a poster anywhere, it wasn't on the calendar of the club, and I guess this is before social media, but if if that happens in the era of social media and also nobody promotes it on social media, i say well this is a this is a, a psychic gig. This is a, a gig just for the people who will psychically know that we're here.
2: Oh, yeah, picking up the subconscious magnet. Right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the beams.
0: <laughs> it doesn't usually pan out. Though. No. It's, uh, it's, no. it's, it's usually uh, less than overwhelming, the response. You know? They can
2: be cool. The people, you know, sometimes when you're at one of those shows, though, and you're the only one or two people there, can be like wow that show was amazing well drastically different experience than the dude who schlepped all of his gear there and
0: yeah well you know even for the person who plays sometimes those you know they ask the the, uh, I've seen uh, people in a variety of of, you know jobs asked do you have a memory of like a peak performance at your job Mm -hmm. and they'll say well yeah I do and I say well was that like what about it made it so was it that there was more people than ever no uh was was it did you you know they go down the list and, and the answer was i don't know it's <laughs> i don't it wasn't because on paper it was supposed to be anything great it's just all the molecules aligned yeah, yeah. And,
2: you get into the flow state right yeah
0: and that's really what we're all trying to do i mean it's it's great if you can do that on the big stage in front of all the people, but it does. You know, you you, it, you can't necessarily dial that up at will. It's you have to try for it every time, and sometimes it happens, in to to greater or lesser degrees. Yeah, you
2: know? it can't happen every time.
0: Well, yes, by by the nature, every gig can't be your best gig.
2: No, <laughs> by, no. By definition, <laughs> you learn a lot from the bad ones too. Sure. Yeah. So I started off building up that project like it was like a Loop Station thing. Mm-hmm. So, I had some pretty simple tunes. It, it was, it's also like pretty poppy. Yes. You know, even like that last, the, the record that I just made is almost all instrumental and ambient, like not a lot of chord changes. It's so, just is that like the textures? The,
0: the Lucifer Bay Lucifer record that Bay. you sent to me?
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hopefully, that'll come out on Sinking City, Scott Bourne and Bryce Nice's label. Nice. So, they put out my first LP, which was in like 2013, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I put out a 45 like a few years ago like maybe three years ago kind of thought it was really good it didn't not really much happen when it yeah. came out but well, you it's know, a 45
0: right well I, I saw that you you've put out like four records worth of material in the last three years or something yeah become quite prolific
2: uh, as of late I just record a lot man right and a lot I mean you know a lot of it's like trash I'm like big into editing so I'm just like recording all the time and then just throwing stuff away and sculpting it
1: you know right you're like frankenstein <laughs> bride of frankenstein well, i love the way the the tune sounds. by the way
2: thanks man
0: yeah all the stuff sounds great man thanks, I, and mate. i was even digging back into uh the records that you that you did over the last few years and and really cool man experimental and and ambient and also very poppy and catchy at the same time yeah
1: right? i love that which i had to think when i was listening to it uh, you're kind of getting away from the blues a little
2: bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The pentatonic major vibes. Oh man, I remember I watched that documentary about Kenny G like a year ago, and I had been working on all this like just kind of generative music. The kind of that's the kind of like Eno stuff, uh-huh. where you set all the parameters and you just kind of let the machine. Play yes, and improvise, yeah. And I had just because it always sounds good. Like, while I was working on these patches, I was doing a lot of pentatonic major, and then I saw this Kenny G documentary, and I was like, No, he's just like playing major pentatonic, and I couldn't unhear it. I was like, <laughs> Going back to the synth, and I was like, No, but so is Coltrane, you know, right? <laughs> right, uh, just it an, was just too every fresh, key. Yeah, yeah, was, right. yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, well, well, one thing I noticed is uh, again the, all the dots get connected. Is uh, recent Troubleman podcast guest Tim Tim Robertson yeah uh, is involved in the the, the uh, Night Janitor project.
2: Yeah, he helped me mix the first record, um, and he was just like a huge part of that. You know, he, even though like I, I I played everything on that record. That was like a home recording project. But Tim played guitar on Helicopter Head kind of helped me mix it and uh, and then we did a few tunes together a while back and we kind of wrote them and arranged them together and That's yeah a, was
1: that another Planet's tune Helicopter Head I remember playing that with you one time
2: yeah no that was a Night Janitor tune really yeah yeah well, Tim's oh. such
0: a wizard, man, oh, man. and uh, like his own, you know, compositions. I'm sure you've heard all of his uh, oh, yeah. his legit stuff that he writes for uh, orchestra.
2: It's amazing. I mean, I love his whole family. He's got a great his his wife, um, Tierney, yeah. just uh, hooked me up and framed my diplomas for me because they'd just been like sitting on the shelf. Right. So yeah, it was really nice. because she, she 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 does framing so.
0: Yeah, That's yeah, cool. uh, we, we go back with, uh, I don't know if you heard his, his episode, but we talked a little bit about how Tim and I first met uh, at judo lessons for our, our kids. Yeah. His son, Sasha, studied uh, judo from yeah. uh, Sensei Hayashi along with my son, Daniel.
2: I heard about that teacher. He told me some stories about him.
0: Oh, he was so heavy, man. The yeah. Guy, so he, would, he, was, he was a, a judo champion uh, as, as a, a youth before that, at the end of World War II, he had been uh, like a, a high school student during World War II. And they came in, he, he, would, he would always tell a story at the end of class, like a five-minute story for the kids. One day, and there's usually like some kind of parable or, you know, a legend of judo legend. One day he tells a story about how uh, how they came into his class, the the government, you know, or some soldiers came in and said, we're looking for uh, kamikaze pilots. Do we have any volunteers? He said, we were all so brainwashed that, he said, I volunteered. He said, we all wanted to. He said, I was one of the biggest kids in the class. They picked me. He said, thank God it was very near the end of the war and they didn't have fuel and, and uh, you know, I couldn't really practice and the war ended before he said, but I would have done it. You know? Wow.
1: <laughs> How do you practice being in a kamikaze? Pilot? Well, you got to,
0: you know, <laughs> I guess you can't practice the whole thing. You just got to <laughs> practice like 90% of it. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> but, uh, 99%. Right. <laughs> I saw something the other day about like the, the pilot watches that they were, is like standard issue pilot watches at the time uh-huh. that they were giving the <laughs> they had like terrible batteries <laughs> yeah, they're only good for a week <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> they, only, they only had a minute hand yeah. on them <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm making this up as I go along Doug like, <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> um well, uh, let's let's uh, move on to the other side because I said you'd, sure. you'd uh, speaking of the other side. You you've now wh- when I knew you uh, early on, you know, you're out there in the road. You know, you'd uh, you were a, a bit of a, uh, a psychonaut. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're a bit of a uh, you're a psychedelics fan. Uh, yeah. You like to smoke weed. You yeah. know, and and uh, you know you're a groovy guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> at, at some point you you decided to get straight. What what possessed you to do that?
2: Oh man it just like uh, I guess it stopped it just kind of felt like it stopped working for me hmm. it was like it was pretty all-consuming yeah some periods of like super heavy all day long drinking hmm. you know really like kind of just drinking alone tequila for breakfast kind of a vibe huh I,
0: I, would, I wouldn't have pegged you for that uh, doesn't, doesn't seem like you had it in you man oh.
2: yeah yeah it was like a coping skills like dealing with some mental health stuff and yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah, it could have gone a lot farther, but yeah, that was like, so you had definitely a high bottom, way.
0: <laughs> so you had a high bottom, uh, it, you uh, could have had, it could have gone worse. Yeah, um, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely look back on some moments where I was like, yeah, that was a lucky one. That was yeah. a lucky one. Yeah. Cause some of the guys that I work with now, I'm like, man, like I told you, it's like five bad decisions away from a lot of people I know yeah you know what I mean, sure and you said less oh yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> it
0: doesn't take five <laughs> bad ones <no. laughs>
2: one good one'll work <laughs> right Yeah, right,
0: yeah right. one good bad decision could, could right. be enough
2: yeah yeah
0: so so when was this uh, how many years ago that that you started to uh, to make this personal uh, transition like
2: four and a half, maybe a bit longer um, yeah, started going to therapy. Found a therapist that really worked well for me that I really just connected with. Okay. And started reading like some kind of like heavier materials and was like, man, I, I think I, I think I could, I want to try this, you know. So yeah, went back to UNO to start that, start that masters in clinical mental health. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just like so many obstacles happened. Along the way, where I'm like, if I had known any of these things were going to happen, I never would have done this. Yeah,
0: isn't that always the way it is. with any successful person? They always they say, "Well, this business is multi-million dollar business. Uh, you know, is there anything that you could tell someone who's like, "Yeah, if I if I would have known, uh, I would have yeah. it's I can't do this.' But if you take them in small chunks, these these things are are. Or, you know, you you can digest them in small bits.
2: Yeah. No, it's cool. That's how life works, you know? You just keep moving forward and problem solving. And, like, yeah, it's like don't worry about what the obstacles are going to be because there will be many and just do it just jump in and go for it
0: now I have to warn you that uh, there's been more than one Troubleman podcast uh, guest or Feral Zone guest who has uh, come on and relapsed
2: oh yeah yeah, yeah. so I uh, thought that's why what we were doing right after this well
0: I mean I, I, I can only do so much you get I, you got to meet me halfway yeah Eddie. yeah
2: I got you I
0: got you I'm willing to do my part yeah yeah <laughs> i have
2: lapsed I don't have to relapse I remember that that what was that line we were, we were like smoking weed somewhere I was was playing with you guys and uh, s- there was somebody there who was like a doctor or something <laughs> and he said I don't want any I get drug tested and, and you said these guys are going to test me later and see how much I can do <laughs> <laughs> nice got a memory for that right, kind of thing right right that so, one really stuck with me okay so it was an influential Iguanas moment for me
0: Nice, nice well, it's, it's funny what, what snapshots um, yeah. you hold in your, in your memory Like yeah. certain things you can remember every thing that happened in yeah. the whole thing
2: Well shit, I was like 20 or 21 When I started playing with you guys, I think Yeah
0: We like to get them young
2: <laughs> Yeah, you, you got really, <laughs> really mad at me Because I didn't know who Mott the Hoople was at oh, one point <laughs> <laughs> You really like dressed me down <laughs>
0: <laughs> you better get your shit together. Son. Like,
1: you knew who Willie Colon was, though, so that did, was enough. Yeah.
0: Right on, right on. Well, I, um, I knew that you had certain things. I, I had to, had to yeah. scare you into. You were like,
2: Do you know who Led Zeppelin is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. I know who Led Zeppelin is. Well, you don't know who Matthew Hoopal is, so I had to check. <laughs> and and, and
0: it, it was a big payoff, right? Yeah. 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 Um,
1: yeah, I remember even at that early age, you were playing so
2: great when you came in the band. And, yeah. Uh,
1: ended up playing a, quite a few records with us, didn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then some of the... like, well, I went to Nashville with you guys, Blackbird. Right, right, nice right. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the great Justin Niebank. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. then uh, the last couple that you guys did with Mark Bingham.
3: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Got this right. one on those. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, thanks, man. I learned a lot from working with you guys as a rhythm section.
0: Oh, well, it's... uh, it's, it's, uh, I I take that as a real compliment. Thank you.
1: Yes. Not sure how that happened, but...
2: uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys taught me how to come up with really simple parts on the spot that fit, you know? Right. Yeah. That was like... I. Basically made a whole career off of that. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, oh, cool. Yeah. Well, you know, there there is the whole thing of it, it's 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 almost counterintuitive where you think if I do if I can do a whole bunch of stuff that will make it good, right? And, and then you think, well, it's not quite good. If I could just do some more, I could figure out how to do some more stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that that'll make it better. Yeah. And it, it becomes like I I use the analogy of. A, a person drowning in the water, and the the more they splash, the more they energy they exert, the less buoyant they become. And if they can just realize that if they relax, they will actually float just <laughs> without doing anything.
2: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a and good analogy. That's how
0: music works. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you just find the right position for your body or the your part, it, it will it will. Gain buoyancy on its own, and the the harder you work at trying to gain elevation or you know swim to the top, the less buoyant the 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 more leaden it becomes
2: absolutely, yeah, it becomes forced, yeah, you were always telling me about you were like you got to listen to the Uganda stuff
0: again i I say that so much, man yeah. you know we we lost Uganda uh I you know. know you know we, Uganda was on the podcast. Two weeks before he passed away, right, and his wife was—he really wanted to come on after I invited him. And his wife would—he'd go, "Oh yeah, 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 no, I really want to do it." And then his wife would get on the phone. And she'd go, "Please don't call again."
2: Oh wow,
0: <laughs> he's a very sick man. You don't understand how sick he is. <laughs> and I'd go, "Oh, oh I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Miss Linda. No, I, I, I don't want to, you know, put him in to uh, do anything." And then and I'd say, "Okay, I won't call again." And then, then we'd hang up, and then he would call me back five minutes later and go, Hey, look, man, I really want to do this. Oh, man. <laughs> don't
1: listen to her. Don't listen, don't to, listen her. to her. listen to her.
0: So we did it. and uh, But, yeah, Uganda's, uh, you know, since we lost him, I I, I don't know. The, the, the field is open, man. It's like yeah. all, all you young percussionists out there, you know, if you, if you want to work in New Orleans... Just get all those Professor Longhair records, figure out what that guy's doing, and and just do that, and you will never, you you will work every night.
2: Yeah, I was like coming from a, I mean, I was like young, I guess trying to prove something, so I was coming from like a much more technical place. Right. And also studying with Hector. Those early lessons, he, he made me record record every uh, every lesson on cassette, <laughs> like nice. super long. I lost them all. I don't, know where, oh, I don't know where they are. But I would ask him about guys like that, and, and he'd be like, what do you think of you know, Uganda or Cyril or something? And mm-hmm. he'd be like, turn off the recorder. <laughs> yeah, he would dismiss
3: anything
1: that wasn't straight up Cuban. We should exactly. tell the listeners that uh, we're talking about Hector Gallardo, who's yeah. a great Cuban drummer kind of a patriarchal figure in New Orleans.
2: Yeah. Yeah, when I think of some of my favorite musical moments, it was like playing duo or trio, just percussion with him outside of Café Brazil. Right. On the street. Incredible, on the street, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like, man, he would invite me to sit in on some, like... The first time I ever sat in with a group here it was at Café Brazil. It was me, Hector, I believe Michael Skinkas... Sam Price on bass, Brent Rose on tenor, Matt Rohde on violin, Rick Trollson on trombone. Wow, I think Sobel was there. It was just like an incredible. Uh, Steve Masikowski on guitar. Wow, that's a great band. Yeah,
1: was on the street?
2: No, in oh, Cafe
0: Brazil. Oh, okay. In Cafe Brazil. All right, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big band to be playing on the street.
2: No, it was cool though. That <laughs> was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, this is, I could, I could, I could do this. Oh, over the house
0: on well, you know, it's, it's interesting, because you're, you're a guy, when we first met you, you are very overweight. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if you'd always been overweight. You, I just assumed that you were, like, you know, a fat guy. You know? Right, you're right, You are just one right. of those guys.
2: Yeah, up and down.
0: And then, at some point, you just became a thin guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was so shocked. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck? How did you do that?
2: Yeah, then I probably ballooned up another time. That was when I was drinking pretty hard. I got, you know, I ballooned up quite a bit again, and then kind of got it together again. Yeah. yeah.
0: But you know, uh, when I when I like, you know, preparing for this and just thinking about it, not even for this, just thinking about you in general, it's like, wow, Anthony is a guy who's capable of of profound change. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, where does that come from, man? Is that... I don't
2: know. I don't know. I mean, usually, like... uh, I mean, most people can't do that. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at, like, locking in on something and just kind of going with it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I can be, like, incredibly self-disciplined, but I can also just totally let things go (laughs) so far to the other end, you know?
0: Well, you know, I I always... I think it's hilarious when artists or musicians I'm talking to, they go, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of OCD. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, are you fucking
2: yeah, no kidding shit. me? Yeah, no shit, <laughs>
0: asshole.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we used to talk about that, how like learning how to play an instrument is some form of Tourette's oh, on yeah. some level, you yeah, know? Yeah,
0: no, no, if, 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 you don't, if you're not obsessive, you're not going to be good at this. Oh, man. It takes way too much time. A normal person will not devote the amount of time to, the repetition that reco- that's required to get good. at I mean, the the level of of, of subtlety that Doug Garrison plays. Oh. <laughs> can you imagine a normal person <laughs> <laughs> devoting that amount of time?
1: They saying I'm am not normal.
0: No, you're not. <laughs> Neither am I. Neither <laughs> is Anthony. That's. I mean, uh, everybody I know and that who plays music at, at a high level is clearly obsessive man obsessive yeah and it's here obsession is a good thing if you point it in the right direction it's only if you have like something negative like you know uh, self destruction if you're obsessed with that yeah. you know if you're obsessed with tequila for breakfast <laughs> yeah that's that's a, that's not going to work it's not that's gonna gonna that's work. a problem
2: yeah yeah but yeah you can def- i mean exactly i think you have to find balance with everything though because like when i was when i was like really young i mean i was like I like stopped hanging out with my friends at some point when I decided like no I have to practice all the time you know, mm-hmm. and that's not really the way I want to live anymore, you know. Right. Trying to get like the perfect tone on a conga drum. I mean, because looking back on that, like that was that was insane. Yeah. The, just the hours. I'm not even playing music. I'm just like it sounds like I'm hammering nails in the back room, just like trying to get the perfect sound, you know. Yeah, so the tone. Like, yeah, yeah. Can like,
1: be like that. It can drive you crazy
2: (laughs) Yeah Yeah Yeah. That was just like Years and years Of like Just working on tone Every day But that stuff Stays with you forever You know My chops are kind of Kind of hurting right now But I can I can walk up to a drum And I can get a Really nice sounding tone You know
0: That's That's One of the 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 main things I I tell students When they come to me And they're obviously Like adults You know They are already kind of Play a little bit And they're obviously not going to spend a whole ton of time with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say, just try to get a beautiful sound out of the instrument, man. Yeah. Just try to make the note, a note, sound beautiful. <laughs> you know, yeah. like That's
1: good advice. really
0: think about that. Like think, like think about how your fingers coming off the string. Yeah, you know, it's it's so fundamental. But it's like if you start there, if you're doing that, Doug. You know, you know. As I can see, you hitting the drum. It's like, yeah, you. It, a beautiful sound is coming out. That's,
1: that's Yeah, it can be challenging sometimes. but Because, uh, you know, we do a lot of backline gigs where I don't have my drums, but I'll always have my cymbals right. and my snare, and I can get some semblance of the tone that I require. For sure. So, yeah, that's important. You gotta... That's,
2: I think a good player really just plays off the sound anyway. Right. You know? The tones. Yeah, I heard some story about somebody... Taking a lesson with Elvin Jones in New yeah. York on just like the worst drum kit, mm-hmm. but it, he just sounded like Elvin. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's going to, yes. It's just like in an attic on just the kit that was like falling apart. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, I always use the example of, of pianos. You know, you have like one piano and you have five different piano players sit down at that same piano and it sounds like each one of those five guys. It doesn't sound like
1: the same instrument. Oh, man. Yeah, how about this, uh, a vibraphone, which is just a bunch of bars, metal bars. But you hear uh, Milt Jackson play one measure of a blues, and you go, that's Milt Jackson, man. Just the (laughs) the, the way he pulls the sound out of the bars. Beautiful. Same with
2: Bobby Hutcherson or any number of mallet players. And that's just years and years and years of spending time with the instrument
0: and and attention you know I always say time plus attention plus talent equals greatness
2: oh yeah you gotta be really zone- and you know like I made a lot of mistakes early on that I never really took the opportunity to correct um, with like I was thinking about that when you were just talking about buoyancy because like I really like forced a lot of stuff like in my like at one point I had to take a break for the better part of a year because I was getting tendonitis in my elbows mm-hmm. Um, from just never really taking the time because people told me when I was young like really you've got to relax and I was just like fuck that I'm playing fast and I'm playing as hard as I can and I'm like my whole body is tense and I'll figure it out later but I never did Yeah, <laughs> and I just kind of carried that with me into my 30s and then it started to catch up with me Right. hey oh you sound relaxed <laughs> I, feel I feel pretty, pretty relaxed I mean. now on the drums yeah I thought you meant like right now
0: Yeah, no, that too. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I had the opportunity to go and listen to these guys um, from Virginia talk about meditation in a small group in um, Independence, Louisiana. These like Vietnamese monks, Mm -hmm. and there was it was a really interesting experience because like it was a really small group of people. This guy that I was getting acupuncture from has a area out there that he kind of hosts, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. It's kind of like a meditation retreat, oh. you know, he's from Vietnam and we were all out there kind of just like, uh, you know, some of us were going to listen to these guys speak and, um, we were kind of going around the room talking about who we were. And I was just kind of like noticing how much my ego and identity was tied into talking about how I was a musician. Mm-hmm. Kept kind of like mentioning it And then there was a guy next to me Who didn't say anything about being a musician Who was from Brazil Who then there was a guitar there And he picked it up and just started playing this incredible bossa nova You know uh-huh. And uh, I was like wow He didn't feel the need to talk about How that's what his whole identity is based on You know what I mean right. And then um, The monk picked up the guitar Right And he handed out these lyrics In Vietnamese and he was like you know he had the translator say sing this with me you know we didn't know the melody we couldn't read the language and we're all trying to like follow along with him and mm. sing along and we're all just failing you know right. and then he was like okay cool and then he gave out lyrics in english and it was like it was this these kind of like buddhist tunes that he had written that kind of sounded like something off of like sergeant peppers or something like i'm like love that goes on forever with no end and all this type of stuff you know and then we sang it in english and uh he said later he was like i gave you the lyrics in vietnamese because if you don't understand the language your mind doesn't have a chance to wander and that's more important than getting it right, singing the song right. Really? Yeah. And then there was a piano there, right? So then he was like, play the guitar, you're a musician. And I was like, I can't play guitar, right? And then he's like, okay, play the piano. And I had just asked him if there's some like healing quality to music. I was like, does the tone do something to us? Is it healing? And he was like, he was like, well, he goes, I have this, this prayer bell here. That's, Kind of cheap but back at the monastery i have a prayer bell that's incredible and i play it and it brings you right into the present moment he was like this bell is not so good but we can still use it for the same thing so he's like sometimes people who love music think that it's just going to heal them but don't get attached to the quality of the sound like anything else right and i go okay then he goes go play the piano and then there was like a eight-year-old kid there who was like don't play it and I, and and I looked at it and like half the keys were missing and, and and he was like don't play it it's broken it's out of tune and I was like okay and then the guys going no play it and then everybody's going just play it and then the 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 acupuncture guy who has the property was like it's just monkey mind you know that yeah. term for that chatter that just goes on in your you know in your brain it goes just play through the monkey mind just go play the piano so I went over and I started playing it and it was, like, so out of tune, and I was kind of trying to play some, some chords, and it was just, like, you know, it didn't sound great, but it was, like, a really beautiful moment to be, like, oh, yeah, he just finished telling me, like, it, it's just about being here in the present moment with everybody in this room. It's not about how it sounds. Like, don't get attached to the quality of the sound. And then everybody was, like, standing up and clapping, and I know what I played wasn't great at all, you know, but... It was, uh, it was just a really That was one of those musical moments that I look back on Like wow I got to play for those three people Who kind of like knew what it was really about And they weren't judging the actual Musical content at all It was yeah, just about a moment
1: It's
0: like a community context
2: Yes Like it was better that it was messed up
0: Nice man The, 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 the beauty and the flaw We love yeah.
2: that I'd like to hear that prayer bell though. I know, <sighs> me too it's in Virginia, apparently. It's in Virginia. The other one.
0: Well, Anthony, this uh, seems like a podcast, man. I think uh, this couldn't have gone any better, man. I'm so happy. Uh, thank you so much, Anthony, for for coming on. Thank you, Doug, for for uh, you know making this happen, and uh, we got to cover all this stuff. My yeah, pleasure.
2: Uh, yeah, I love you guys. Great uh, to, to see Anthony again. Nice Anthony.
0: Okay, well. Uh, Thanks to, uh, to everyone that made this happen. Uh, thanks to uh, Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge. Uh, I am Renee Coleman signing off from inside the Feral Zone.
3: I promise you this will be one of the best coconut cakes you've ever had. What shall we